Well, 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 Walter, we are back here on the F World. Technically just back on the F1 calendar after a couple weeks of um, flooding hiatus, but nonetheless, it's, we're back. Yeah, it is very good to be back. Uh, you're right. The um, you know there was uh, such a big anticipation, I think, to this season as there always is for any F1 fan. The season got off to a good start. Then we had that long break, the sort of spring break, if you will, because China yeah. was not on the calendar. And then we were looking forward to some more, you know, back-to-back action. And then, of course, due to the um, the weather event there in Italy, that race was canceled. So it seems like it's been for me, at least. A little bit of a, this is a phrase I like, herky-jerky start to the season. <laughs> has definitely been one. Uh, outside of the races, it has definitely been a, a herky-jerky. Uh, within the races, it has been pretty standard of Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, Green Bull, or Red Bull, Red Bull, Aston Martin, Alonso. Speaking but of Red Bull. Speaking of Red Bull, we got our big cans of Red Bull that I'm going to crack for this, that. So no problem. I, I, I jumped the start. Oh. Yeah. And cracked mine before the show, but uh, you need to do it. Here, thank you for that. Me. It there is the big go. can, so uh, big can. so we're going to get as the show <laughs> progresses. We're going to get wired. We'll probably start talking faster and faster. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I've already, I'm already feeling it. I've only had a few sips of water today too, so it's really going to go right into my system here. Um, theme music today is the classic F1 theme, but this is actually a live concert being conducted by the composer of, of the theme. Brian Tyler, who always seems to every single uh, remix be fine. He's actually commenting on almost every one of them. Yeah, he's, he's pretty active online. He seems to, I think, at least judging from his comments, he seems to appreciate a lot of the remixes that are done. And then if you dig deeper into his repertoire of work, he's done a lot of interesting things. He definitely has. He did do some of the soundtrack for Crazy Rich Asians, which right. was a great movie. Good good track because it takes place in Singapore. Uh, but yeah, generally he always yeah, he always just seems really appreciative of how fans love the theme and he just loves it even more fans even more for for that. But I thought though, uh we had talked we always kind of playing around with the idea of using remixes on the show as our like kind of our main thing. But so I thought because it's Monaco, we have to go kind of classic. Sure. Yeah. Go concert live big band. Yeah. So we did it. But yeah, Monaco qualifying just wrapped up about for me about an hour ago because I had a, <laughs> I had a little bit of technical difficulties at the, on the home uh, F1 TV app for uh, the probably the most expensive league ever. Uh, why does their Apple and why does their app suck? I don't know, but come on, guys, you have the money. Liberty Media, we know you're making money on this. You can you can fix your app. Uh, but other than that, it's Monaco qualifying arguably one of the most fun days of the f1 calendar it's i always kind of feel monaco qualifying is the actual race yeah pretty much and then uh and this was a oh my gosh this was a it was a wild one it was a good one i mean q3 um there was it was okay q2 was a little bit better but to me honestly nothing too big standing out in q2 although if you look at the times of the people who were eliminated in q2 they were all within like half a second or less, so very less three good, three tenths. Yeah, very good midfield there. Yeah, and then oh. of course Q one Q one was off the hook. I mean, uh, like, Ocon coming out of there with provisional pole there for a few seconds Sonoda. out of nowhere. Sonoda, Sonoda took, doing well. Sonoda was in top five 
about three or four times. Almost every single time Sonoda put a, a lap in, yeah. he was in the top five. And then, of course, Alonso at the provisional pole. Alonso, and then Max Verstappen at the very, very end. That third Only sector, that third sector, le- really, to use a term from How I Met Your Mother, legendary. <laughs> Quite literally legendary with all the buildings there too, everything too, right? Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I saw Alonzo on pole. I was cheering as I'm sure most of the world was. Uh, his garage, obviously, when they showed him on the garage yeah. on television, obviously over the moon. And I really thought he had it wrapped up because Verstappen he wasn't making was it. was slow in the first two sectors. He had to make up two and a bit, two tenths and a bit. Yeah, and I'm like, no way he can make that up in the third sector. And, and he then, did. Yeah, yeah. It is. Just, look, one, look at that. Put, I, got, I got goosebumps. Yeah, yeah I see that. Oh, I, got, I literally have goosebumps. Well, that's the Red Bull. It. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and you nice. do, but, but um, yeah, no, he is only eight hundredths of a second faster than Fernando Alonso. Yeah. In Monaco, you and I know, but for newer listeners, you don't know. Monaco, typically, wherever you qualify, that's about where you're going to place in the race, too. Yeah, so, I, I heard a stat the other day that close to 60% of all the uh, Monaco winners started in the top three positions. So yeah. it's it's very rare for anyone to win Monaco from outside the top three, and it's very rare for someone to really win it if they didn't start on pole, although last year Sergio Perez started in third and won the race. So yeah, it can yeah. happen. Speaking of... Uh, well, I mean, Sergio Perez won the race because Ferrari lost the race, though. So that's, <laughs> well, they, that, that's everyone knows that's the fair. real answer. Speaking of the Perez, the street circuit king, yep, crashed out in Q1. Uh, the king has lost his crown. Humpty <laughs> Dumpty had a big fall. Yeah. yeah, so crashed out in Q1, ended up in, ended up in, uh, starting in dead last, starting in 20th place. Yep. Um, Good news what? for Logan Sargent. He qualified a Red Bull. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Not by much, <laughs> but because only because Paris couldn't put another lap in. But um, yeah, I think like the biggest part of that crash though isn't so much the damage done. Everyone's kind of talking about the rear wing and the suspension and the side mm-hmm. pods, but it's the that gearbox. Red Bull's on their fourth gearboxes. Right. They're on their last ones, and the gearboxes are fragile this year. So well, and that was a big hit, and, was a, and, and the right. way it went in. So, you know, the tire, it looked like it hit the, the, the barrier quite squarely, so that means all that force is going to go through the wheel, through the uh, suspension, and, and into that gearbox. And so, yeah. yeah. And so. That, that's what happened last year with Leclerc, right? He Was it last year? He had the crash didn't change the gearbox and they were all concerned about that and ultimately they said it wasn't the gearbox that failed but uh i you know i guess they wouldn't lie but there's so many people wondered about that is is that gearbox yeah. going to hold up i'm trying to remember if it was or then over was, was in over was in 2021 or yeah well let's say within I, the uh, last couple of years. we have obviously max verstappen p1 with a 111.365 from behind him fernando alonso the wiley fox at a 111.449. And then we have the Monegasque, Charles Leclerc, who has yet to give me a new Monaco song. Maybe, depending on how well he does, he we might get one. He should remix one. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Uh, well, he did a... He, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you heard on uh, one of our previous episodes. Yeah, he, he had a little I. piano instrumental <laughs> yeah, Mary thing. Ange, yeah. uh, Mary Ange and I were playing it. So, we're, so maybe, depending on how uh charles uh finishes up we'll get another one uh, called mon 23 uh mon technically open bracket open parentheses 
two, three close parentheses mm. is the technical names of all the songs. I, I think someone so. needs to write a song for Lando Norris to cheer him up. Did you see him in the uh, the post qualifying interviews? No, he I didn't. looked I, just downtrodden. Yeah, um, well, he took some bad hits, and he's always done pretty well in this. Sure, um, but he he gets, he's he finished up and he qualified tenth. So yeah. we'll get to him. Okay. Um, We'll get to him in a second here. I actually couldn't get to the post interviews because I like turned it off and ran oh, out. Oh, I didn't even. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't even put socks on. I just, I just ran out. See, like I can verify this is true. Taryn is sockless. It's actually quite comfortable to be sockless in the studio. Yeah, it's summertime. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. Station manager of here of uh, the station, Civil 101.7 FM, uh, Aaron Levy will probably like that I'm sockless in the studio. But but well, you are wearing shoes, yeah. so that's fine. Well, right now I'm not because yeah. I took them off to show you. But uh, so, anyways, Charles Leclerc and. And uh, P3 with a 111.471. Oh my gosh. Like, Fernando, like everything, you like you were saying, everything is so close this year. Well, yeah, there's only a tenth between those top three. Yeah. Um, and if we go back to last year, the times, you know, one thing I noted about this year's qualifying, uh, and I think this has been true of every race so far, including today, including Monaco, that the cars are faster. But if we look at the margin of increase... It's not very big here in Monaco this year. Now, of course, Monaco, yeah. it's somewhat limiting. So you're not going to see, you know, the second and a half or almost two seconds quicker that we've seen at some of the other circuits so far this year. But I was expecting and maybe even hoping for a bit more. If we look at last year's poll time, which was Leclerc, mm-hmm. he was going for his third poll in a row, third consecutive this year, had he gotten it. Uh, last cool. year, he was a 111 Three seven six. That was the poll time last year. One eleven three seven six. This year, Max with that absolutely stellar third, third sector, sector was a one eleven three six five. So we're talking like nine thousandths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are quicker this year, but not vastly. Yeah, I think like almost every single year since me, I'd probably say like 2015, 2016-ish, Yeah, is always the question of. Do you bring Monaco back because of these kind of reasons, right? And uh, you always, everyone comes like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, what do we well, do? And then you get to the race, and everybody and you, knows. And everyone knows. once you see it, it justifies it. You need to keep it in, yeah. Because this, I think, because this track and this circuit is one such a classic. It's yep. probably been there. It's probably one of the first well, ones. It's. I think today a, was their 80th Grand Prix, which is more Grands Prix than have ever, than there are Formula One seasons. So they were yeah. racing there. Grand Prix racing there before there was for F1. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's such a classic, and it's such a different kind of track. Sure. I think it's one of the only ones that has one DR zones on this calendar. Yeah, you may be, and I think the reason for that, there's really no straights in Monaco. Even the pit straight is a curve. Yeah, which makes it such a fun and interesting track. Uh, Mary Ange and I were were watching uh, practice yesterday, and she kept saying the best part to her is that there's elevation and there's massive elevation sure, in this yeah. one. So there's you have to be smart. It's it's such a more technical track that you that I think you really start to see that, especially with how this is working, how how the qualifying shapes up this year. So moving on, shall we? P four okay. Esteban Ocon and <laughs> and Alpine, yeah, and Alpine Renault that with an one eleven five five three. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Uh, to be honest with you, no, uh, nobody did. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even expect him to go provisional pole. Gasly was even on provisional pole for a time in Q two, um, and Gasly was actually uh, in P three for a long time in yeah. Q 
in Q2 and into Q and into Q3. So, you know, we've said it so many times, there were a lot of expectations for Alpine. Um, and I don't think they've been meeting those expectations yet, but we did see a little glimmer of hope today in that, you know, Alcon just really pulled something out of the bag. Yeah. And I think that he was really pushing. When when I saw that, I actually, the, the expression that came to mind is actually, I think I said it out loud. I said, wow. He Alonzoed that car, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought too. Because Alonzo is to me the best at getting more out of a car. Yes, yeah, I I agree with you too. Like especially right now on on the grid, I think that Alonzo is. Well, we see it because uh, that Aston Martin is fast. We know that, but compared to Stroll, you know, Alonzo is just really getting a lot more out of that car. Yeah, and he always does. Yeah. However, I will say like. Stroll was putting on a lot of good times, mm-hmm. and I think that the biggest problem with Stroll is I think what the drivers are saying is one of the biggest problem with this kind of era of car right now, which is everyone is so similar that when you qualify, you have to be able to qualify three or four times, put another qualifying lap in to get a good time because yeah. everyone's doing just tenths or hundredths off of you that you just put you down, 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 down. Right. That, which is exciting for us viewers. Sure. But for a competitive driver who wants to show how good his car is, wants to do this, it, it sucks. Yeah. But then maybe I, you should just get better at driving. You it, should, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, no, I, mean, I think he, he does well. And, yeah. you know, he's his teammate, his last two teammates have been multiple world champions, right? Last year he was teammates to Sebastian Vettel. This year he's teammates to Fernando Alonso. So that's, that's those are some pretty yeah. it's hard, uh, it's stiff a hard, competition. Yeah, it's hard to really he compare him. He was out in Q2 yes. here in Monaco this year. So maybe there was something going on there. I, I Actually, I don't sort of recall. Um, but a point I want to come back to, and you, you sort of touched on it just a moment ago, is the spread. So again, if we look at last year, in the top three at least, there was a spread of three tenths, and this year for, in qualifying, and this year there's there's a spread of one tenth in those top three, and even if we go down to fourth uh, with Ocon's um, time, he was still only t- less than two tenths or about two tenths off the pole time. So really, this year that top five, there's super, three tenths. Super close. There's yeah. three tenths in that top five. Yeah, absolutely. It's. It's gonna be fun. it's gonna be a, a a wild and fun and fun one. So after so moving on yep. after Esteban after Esteban Ocon and the Alpine, we got Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari uh, with a one eleven point six three uh, in P five. I think that's pretty average. I think something something felt off with Carlos. Uh, I think like obviously he had hit the barrier a couple. Uh, he clipped the barrier on, like almost in every pretty hard in practice one, yeah. practice two again, yeah, yeah. and harder and, in practice two. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that he almost did again in, in qualifying. I'm not 100 sure. Um, and I think I think that just like it's Monaco. You if you if you know you can do your average, you can do P5. You can still finish strong. You never know what's going to happen because even in race, because um, like you said, you, you know Perez got jumped up a bunch mainly because of Ferrari blunders, but sure. you never know when someone's going to hit hit it yep. and, and cause a red flag. Sure. You, I think there was a, almost a red flag in every single practice. Well, session, and, know, and this year with the cars being bigger than they've ever been, I mean, that's that's about the only somewhat strong argument that I can sort of understand to taking Monaco off the calendar is that the cars are just too big now. But that's no reason to take Monaco yeah. off the calendar. That's, that's a reason car. to make the car smaller. Yeah. yeah. I actually saw a really interesting... There, there's something called... There's a, uh, 
as a YouTube channel called like F1 News or F1 Tactical News, something like that. Very fun. Kind of a he's more of a I kind of he's a little bit more of a Mercedes fanboy than I am. Uh, I don't know if that's possible. Well, that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, I like to be neutral. Okay, <laughs> I like to. I like to. I have my team. I support my team. That's the end of it. And then I, I'll have my guy. That's However, um, he had a really good uh, segment in one of his videos where he was showing uh, an F1 engine, an older F1 uh, engineer, a, pr- a previous one. He designed uh, the current F1 car, but with the 2020, sorry, not 2020, the 2003 to 2007 kind of specs. Okay. And you see the, the the size difference and it was really interesting because he was showing the math it shows the full post of when i actually followed it shows the math and how it all how he did yeah. it and it all works yeah. and the engine still fits in it the aerodynamics well, are actually apparently better especially with ground effect because it's, it's smaller their things are narrower and more and can slice through a bit better uh but he it was almost a meter sl- s- smaller right s- sure. wider, uh, narrower meter, narrower yeah, yeah. And then it was almost a meter and a half shorter. Shorter, yeah. Like so, the current ones are a meter and a half longer, and like that. They're, you just they're, think, they're big. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of info. Uh, it, that's a great resource for anyone who's as nerdy as us. But for the more casual fan or the newer fan to Formula One, welcome. And just search, <laughs> you know, like car comparison infographic. And there's a lot of like just visual images. Yeah. You know, this is the the seventies car, the eighties car, the nineties car, the two thousands car the 2010s card, and you can just see them grow, 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 and grow. So as you said, from that era, 2003 to 2007, those are V10 engines, so bigger engines in smaller cars. And that that faster. makes better racing. Yeah, 100%. Bigger better. engine, bring smaller back, car. Bring, and it sounds better. I go to sleep oh. with the V10 sound sometimes. <laughs> oh, so bring, I will, I will always be pro, bring yeah. back V10 yeah. um, over it, but it's never going to happen. Um, you know, maybe what they do is F1, because Liber- Liberty Media is quite savvy, so maybe they spin off an F1 Legends series. Honestly, I would I would just like them to do Monaco with V10. <laughs> well, that's just, what I'm just, saying. Maybe yeah, they have just, that as a just the one race, a support the, race. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Part of that one can- calendar. Yeah. Just, okay. Make just, the sprint. Yeah. Yeah. A Monaco exactly. sprint. <laughs> yeah. In 20 year old V10 cars. cars. Yeah. With no safety right. updates. Just, <laughs> just better. Put on sprinklers on the track. Yeah. There you go. Marianne's Marianne's ears just perked up. Oh, sprinklers. In, she just no. She wants sprinklers and Mini and Coopers. Minis, yes, that's, uh, which I still think. By itself, that is a cool league to have, just in itself. I will always say sprinklers and mini. I agree. Start it. We can. Let's get some investors. Let's start it. Let's talk to the mayor of Vancouver. See if we can start it up here. We can just do it in almost. We can have that. We can host that in Vancouver all all year long. Um, But anyways, moving on to uh, car number forty-four in P six, Lewis Hamilton in the W fourteen B. Mercedes? Yeah, that's um, a good question. Are they officially <laughs> calling it a B car? No, I, I don't think you can. But he okay. he qualified P six with a one eleven point seven two five. We finally see it. We've we've been hearing about these upgrades for a time. We finally see it. Kind of in the worst track to put upgrades in to test them. That was the big question: Will but, they or won't they? Yeah, I uh, I I'm actually curious. I don't. Uh, Marianne is going to roll her eyes when she hears this, but right. she, I think she said that she was listening in. But so, if you are listening, Marianne, don't you dare roll your eyes at me, because I wonder if they hadn't changed it, mm. kept it their their zeros iPod. I don't think they would necessarily have been doing better. Yeah, maybe I think you probably would have seen them in four, five, six. That Lewis and and Russell, who Russell qualified P eight. I think you probably would have seen them in maybe a couple spots higher because well, I think that they're. 
the previous car had a slightly better front end and, mm. and way of managing. They're changing up so much into this. They come, you know, you're you're testing a whole new suspension setting, right? Good point. And you can't change. Um, they even said that they're not allowed to change the chassis and they're not allowed to change the monocoque. Mm-hmm. So you can't uh, really. I, I understood that they just didn't have the resources. Yeah, because, I, because money. Yeah, well, yeah. because of the cap. Not that they right? couldn't. Well, yeah. I guess they couldn't because of the cap. Yeah. 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 So, and I think that's where I think they even said like if the cap was. Ten million dollars higher, we would have mm-hmm. been able to do it. Oh, but done more. Well, at least yeah. change the monocoque a bit more than yeah. the full chassis. Yeah. So, again, I will always say one hundred fifty million. That should be the cap. <laughs> um, every single episode, I will say that until it happens. Actually, well, yeah, I won't. But that was the big question, wasn't it? Because everyone uh, had been hearing about Mercedes upgrades, and they were expected to have them at the previous race in Italy, of course, which was canceled. So then yeah. everyone's asking. Are they going to bring them to Monaco? Because Monaco, as exciting as qualifying is, and the race is exciting in its own way, but it's not a speed-limited track, right? You're not mm-hmm. you're not reaching the speeds in Monaco that you are on any of the circuits. I think it is the slowest track uh, on the calendar, I right? I think so, too. It's you're more, not, you're, you're not hitting ones. those you know, 340-kilometer-an-hour speeds. Yeah, I think the highest was 281. Exactly. Set by a Williams. So then... Well, the Williams is fast in yeah. a straight line, right? We know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then the question is, okay, do you bring it to Monaco? Because is it really going to benefit you there? And there is arguably a bigger risk to bringing it to Monaco in that you damage it. And we saw Lewis in, in uh, was it FP3? It was. In FP3, he crashed and yeah. know, damaged the car. So, and, and ironically, I don't know how much it improved them because if we look, they qualified this year in sixth and eighth. Lewis in sixth, George in eighth. Last year, they qualified in sixth and eighth. Reverse, with, though. Yes, with yeah. with George in sixth and Lewis in eighth. And the times, well, this year, of course, they were quicker and much quicker than last year. So Honestly, though, look at the times, too. Not much. Well, like half a like, second. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's significant. George, George with a P6, George, in 2022, yeah. 112.112, which yeah. I think is like... One of the funniest times that we are that we saw. One one two one one two. Yeah, and then Lewis this year was one eleven seven two five seven two five. So that's half a second. Okay, half a, a little second. more than okay. half a second, half which a is second. significant. True, true. Fair enough, especially yeah. around Monaco. So, yeah. I guess we can say the upgrades did help them this year in terms of their lap time. Lew- but the rest of the grid has improved so much; it hasn't helped them in their position. Yeah. And Lewis was, uh, I know in his uh, FP2, and uh, I did watch a little bit of his FP3 um, uh, post interviews, he was obviously down in FP3, but it sounds that he was kind of more enjoying the car. I think he was even saying, he even said, like, this isn't the track that we wanted to test this out. We w- right. we are getting a lot better data than we would have, that we initially hoped. Well, that's... And this is a first iteration yeah, of what they wanted to do. That's the other side of the equation, right? Yeah. Like, if they don't bring it to Monaco then they're not going to really know. So it's a bit of a like cost benefit return on investment. And now they know where to where what what parts are working to put in for exactly. Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Which Barcelona is one of I think one of the best just natural tracks. Yeah, it's going to be more I think indicative of really where people are. Yeah. Their pace. Yeah. That reminds me. I totally forgot. This kicks off our European World Tour 
Mm. We got we got our we got our European we races. Have, we have Spain coming up next. I say European, even though we know of Canada right after Spain, but technically Canada has all the European ties. Commonwealth, so. yeah, Commonwealth. We'll, we'll just enough. go with that. We'll just go with that. Sure. You know, I'm well, I'm, and, and the I'm race okay is in Montreal. It. Yeah, so. so there we go. <laughs> but I do want to make sure we touch upon uh, Lewis because he did say on the radio during qualifying, "Man, this car is hard to drive." Yeah. So you know. I, I listened to your last episode, I think, where either the second half where I wasn't here or maybe I wasn't here at all, but you were talking about, and we always talk about how Hamilton was counting the days to that new car, or mm-hmm. revised car, and then now here he is saying it's hard to drive. So, Yeah, I mean, it's it's you go from what you're used to to almost a completely different thing because he kept saying in all the few practices, there's the, the, the rear end is wild in this. Um, because I think that this one, specific, this this new quote unquote B spec, is giving more into that, and I think that I don't know how much of he, he was even able to move back this seat. Um, they had talked about potentially getting a way, finding a way with these new upgrades to get him back about ten centimeters. Uh, I don't know if that was actually able to happen because that's so much of the monocoque and chassis that has to get changed up. But he was. Clearly saying, compared to every other race this season, he's feeling the rear the rear more. And, we're, and that's where most of the power is coming from. So he's connecting with that side more. He seems to be more a little bit more comfortable in this. He, um, You can see when he, com- even compared to last year, when he was going for his Q3 lap, he was really pushing it. You can see that he was pushing spots where he probably he wasn't last time. Or types of in types of low speed and high, low speed chicanes that he wasn't pushing even in like Miami and that stuff and that, so it's getting there. But this is this car is pretty much where they should have started at the beginning of the season. Right. They're like they're doing like a, another half a season of, of development. Right. I have I don't think they're going to get a win, but mm. it's fun to see. Interesting. It's, it's fun to see a team drastically changed their philosophy in the middle of a season. And one of the only times that they've done it when there's a heavy, heavy cost gap. Because they can't certainly just, yeah, you know, in, right? in this more modern yeah. era within the last, you know, five to seven years at yeah. least. Yeah. So so I think a lot of teams are going to be looking at this as like, okay, can it even be done? That has been a huge factor of twenty twenty two and everything, just the the parts, everything. Yeah. You just can't change your cars too much. But it's gonna be interesting. And obviously I think that typically Mercedes always seems to be really weak in qualifying and mm-hmm. then end up ends up being in usually the top four, top five, top six yeah. in, on the race anyways. So. I mean, generally, they're pretty solid in their strategy. Uh, they do mess it up if, here and there, but not really a lot. Certainly not like Ferrari over the last three to five years. <laughs> I don't think they're Ferrari. as solid in their strategy as perhaps Red Bull. Red Bull seems to really make the right calls. Han- Hannah Schmidt, who is the the lead strategist for Red yeah. Bull, well, and, is, and Christian Horner, he's been there from day one. He's, oh, exactly. From day right. minus whatever, because you know he was behind the scenes, obviously with Jay bringing that team to the table. So. He was in. He was a driver himself, for right? A bit. I don't, so I, that, not, I don't know if an F one, but I think no, I don't think so. There, there's yeah. a great interaction, I think, between Martin Brundle and Christian Horner, and and Christian Horner says something to tease Martin Brundle, like too bad you weren't ever fast enough to win on this track and then martin brundle comes back to christian saying too bad you weren't fast enough to ever be an f1 yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing like i i i always kind of like i i love and hate christian horner because he is such a good sportsman and he's but sure and he's i don't know i think i would love to sit down and talk to him he's the I think perfect person to be at yeah. red bull yes <laughs> i 
I I think out of, out of the three people in F one that I would just if I could just sit down and talk to them, it'd be Lewis Hamilton, mm-hmm. Christian Horner, mm-hmm. um, my top two. Yeah, like I I'd probably put Total Wolf as number five. I probably I probably put Fernando or Max as three or I mean, four. There's but, so many people. Yeah, right? I'd I'd, the, I'd have to throw Ross Braun in there. Oh, what a that would be the a things that he's one. done for Ferrari, the things that he did for his own team when he took over Honda, the things he's done for F1, a lot of the changes that I think we're enjoying, the closer racing, the the stronger midfield, I think a lot of that's down to Ross Braun because he's, he, I forget his title, but he's part of F1 now. I think he was the head of the overtaking committee. or Yeah, you know, he, <laughs> he probably just made something up for himself. <laughs> yeah, like for me, you know, Schumacher, of course, and, uh, you know, so many names, but honestly... For me, Ross Braun is high on that list just for the things he's done across a, such a range. Yeah. yeah. There's always you never I don't think you're really going to get the, ever get the same cast of characters that get drawn into the sport. Mm. And even just w- going to the Mission Raceways, uh racing and yeah. everything like that, racing just brings characters out. Yeah. Um speaking of continuing with the sport, P7, our boy Pierre Gasly with the, in Alpine with a 111.933 about where we about where we yeah, want Pat Gasly. Yeah, I it was just you know maybe there is too much other action going on at the sharp end of the grid, as they say. Uh, I when I watched qualifying, I was kind of like afterwards, I'm like, oh, what happened to Gasly? He just didn't seem to be there a lot. I don't know if it, there were so many other things happening. But see, that was that's what was so confusing to me because Gasly was there a lot. He he was cons. He was not like qualifying. His, his his race pace was never below ten. Yeah. He was always pushed down in Q one, yeah, Q three, yeah, sure. because of just everyone being so jumbled together. But he was always qualifying into the into the fives and into that area because of the the technical difficulties of, of the app. I was going back and forth between into the international broadcast because yeah. I, I, I was originally scared that they weren't going to have the broadcast okay. because they had said something about F one wants to do the only broadcasting this time. They, they, that is, but, they took over the, the broadcaster, right? So yeah. it's, traditionally, way back in the day with F1, every local race was produced by local crew. Yeah. Every and, single yeah. one. Yeah. And then that started going away. And I think Monaco was one of the last, if not the very last race, where the, the, the world video feed that people saw around the world was actually done by a local production team. Yeah, and and that changed this year. F one Media or whatever their official name is was doing the actual television production. So you saw more helicopter shots. I think you saw some drone shots, and and people were making much mm-hmm. much ado about that. new new camera yeah. angles. Yeah. I think I think what I heard I heard that they pooled a lot of resources together uh, to get more of these shots. However, the one thing that that's kind of annoying is that when you would watch Sky Sports and all that, if they were talking about whatever uh let's say like like aston martin and, and alonzo you they could say let's switch to aston martin alonzo so on the international feed right it would go to aston martin yes but on the f1 tv right. feed That's it right. would just stay on red bull or yes. something yes. yes so there was a couple times in practice and even in qualifying that they never switched it was you were talking yeah. about someone that's not on the screen yeah yeah and i think that's just an iron out the kinks thing but to Gasly, when I was switching back and forth, no one talked about Gasly that's what qualifying. I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, so, yeah, it's a, <laughs> kind of to what you're saying. He was anonymous. Yeah, you kind of forgot he yeah. was there, but yeah. he was always... He's kind of like that, that friend that you take to the bar that you kind of forget is there, is, like, really there. You're like, oh, where did Jeremy go? And it's like, Jeremy's <laughs> just sitting behind you like, man, is, I've been here the entire time. Is that an actual friend of yours, Jeremy? 
I do have a friend named Jeremy, but shout he's out a, to Jeremy. Shout out to Jeremy. Um, Jeremy's usually not the guy that you forget at the bar, though. He's usually the guy that you're like, we got to get Jeremy out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, Gassy was always there. So, but qualifies P7. I think that's where we'd like to see him. What we kind of expect from him. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, and then moving on behind him, George Russell, as we talked about in P8 with a 111.964. Um, so three hundredths, three three point oh three one off of Gasly. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Russell over mm, Gasly, yeah. three yeah, roughly three hundred. Pro- not quite, I guess. Yeah, two, probably going to be a quick twenty nine hundredths. Overta- yeah, probably um, going to be a quick overtake. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a really good question. the so, the The tires this year are the softest of the soft Pirellis, so. and you and you really saw how fast they were yeah. deteriorating, yeah. especially on the Mercedes one. Yeah. Which, of course, new suspension and everything, you have to retest how you go to do tire degradation. Yeah, right? exactly right. But I think you, you, I saw a lot of cars coming in to change boots up. So, yeah. And then behind behind George Russell, we have Yuki Sonoda, who, again, was a provisional pole sitter for a, a number of laps. Verstappen had to take two two to get to get him out. Took him two hot laps to get him out. Yep. Um, until he finally did in Q two. But Yuki Sonoda with a one twelve point oh eight two. I'm gonna try to pay Yuki a compliment here. I think he's starting to Alonzo that car. I I think so too. Yeah. I think that he's really fired up because of the news of Honda going to Aston Martin, and it sounds like <laughs> and and there's all these there's all these talks with the CEO of Honda was yeah. saying yeah. We like we've been working with Yuki a sure. lot this, well, this last season. Of course, he's Japanese, been spending, yeah. yeah, but he's yeah. also been spending. It sounds like, and it looks like, uh, even like a lot of the commentators on both sides, F one and Sky Sports, were saying, yeah. Yuki, since really, uh, what was the second race? Australia? This year, yeah, no, second race was Saudi Arabia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ever since really Saudi Arabia, he's been in the garage a lot more, yeah. trying to yeah. do. He's been pushing and yeah. working on like what his his mistakes are. And even France Tross is saying, like, yeah, he's really stepped up. He's really pulled a lot of the weight that DeVries has left. Um, and I think that a lot of people were expecting DeVries to come in as a post as a two-time world champion in other sports right. to come in and kind of take that to spot To do what over. Norris did to Danny Rick, maybe. Yeah, I, think there, bit, yeah. I think there was a, a lot. There's some questions. Could that happen again? And, and people thought if it could, maybe DeVries is the person to do that, especially to Yuki at that time who was, you know. Still questionable as a leader. Yeah, not as not to say he's mature yet, but I think he's maturing. Yeah. And I think also, you know, we touched upon this a lot, I think, at the start of the season. There was a lot of uncertainty around that team. And I think we're starting to see some of that uncertainty fade. I think we're starting to see a bit more stability in that team, although Tost is leaving. But mm-hmm. at least they know he's leaving, and so they can you know make plans for that. There was also the big rumor: are they going to sell it? That seems to be sorted now. I think we've heard them come out and say, "Nope, we're not selling. It's all good." Well, I think that's, so. We're seeing some stability there, and I think that's a lot because Red Bull is no longer really trying to like fight for a lot of championship points. They can now put money into their sister team, hmm. um, kind of like the sister, like kind of like the big sister because the, the little sister gets hand me downs. Um, yeah, sure. Again, I talk about this from from having to get constant ha- hand me yeah, downs same. from my older brother. Yeah, you know, from my cousins. I'm a only child, but oh, from my okay, cousins, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm the middle. Same. I'm the middle child, so I get everything. And we, we Reese, my brother Reese, got even more. He got all of our shout stuff. out, Reese. <laughs> shout out to Reese. He's working really hard right now. He says, "Hi, are we, we going to see him on Sunday?" Um, no, probably not. I think that just 
we I, I'm going to try to be there. I don't know if I'll actually kind of get there. I have a lot of work to do. I'm, I'm hoping to get there for the Indy race fight. as well, of course, uh, this weekend. I think that explains why Zach Brown was not in Monaco. He's probably yeah. at Indy. He is at Indy, yeah. as I was saying. Um, Very quickly, of, too, sorry, Sonoda. Yeah. Sonoda in P9 is the first of the top 10 in the 112s. Yes. So that's significant. Everybody that we just mentioned before Sonoda was all in the 111s. Yeah. So talk about how close the cars are. Every single one of them were in the 111s, and it started at 111.365. So there's <laughs> yeah. only seven tenths, not even seven tenths, six tenths between the top eight cars. Yeah. L- quite literally six tenths. Yeah. Because of uh, Russell's nine, uh, 964. 964. Yeah. 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 That's hilarious. Um, and then finally, to round out the points, we have Lando Norris. Speaking of McLaren, half a second behind. Yuki Sonoda and P9. Oh, sorry, not oh. half a second. Yeah, two tenths. Two tenths. Me. Yeah. Two tenths. Yeah. Uh, which we were going to mention before. And it, behind him in P11 is his teammate, Oscar Piastri, who was, who's only in Q2, was knocked out by 112.395. Uh, well, so, if we're going to say that, we gotta, I got to give an honorable mention then to Logan Sargent, who was knocked out of Q3 by about that same margin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we'll always, we will always give, out, give, give, give Logan Bear some, some shout-outs some shout yeah, here. Well, he still needs it, unfortunately. <laughs> he's, just, he's not getting it done because the pace is in that car. Albon, I'm surprised Albon didn't get into Q1, uh, actually. Q3. Q3. Excuse me. Yeah. I, th- I think that's just, that's just, again, just everyone is it's so, so yeah. close that yeah. you, you just can't yeah. set a pace. I think Unless he Alonzoed that car. There See, are a lot of people Alonzoing cars, I think, today. I think yeah. Albon Alonzoed that Williams. It's fast, it sounds like, but, but I think he got more out of it than even you might expect. I think so, too. I think um, from kind of the interviews with through the practice sessions and, the, and this with James Voles, uh, even Voles was kind of saying that, yeah, that the soft tire is really kind of degrading on us fast. Right. And it's very, I don't know what happened in between times. I mean, obviously, I think I think that because there was a lot of rain uh, through the week and last weekend, right. that it really, like, cleared out a lot of the rubber of that track. Maybe. So everything was everything seemed really slippery in, in FP1 and 2. So You know, that's a good point. To me, to be honest, nobody looked really confident. No. Not even Max. I was, I, see, speaking of speaking <laughs> Nobody of that, looked. Everybody was like all elbows and wrists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone was losing it into the yeah. pool section. I yeah. was so excited to potentially have Max crash out because um, he, <laughs> he, yeah. he kept talking about like I don't want, I don't want this. He's like I don't yeah. like this. I don't like the right. car. Right in in practice, he all, just said I got a, I got a box. Yeah, because if I don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna shunt. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Lord Norris is always is a tricky one for me uh, this time because he's always qualified pretty well in Monaco. Sure. He's always been like, okay. He's usually, even if he qualifies mediocrely good, yeah. he usually jumps up his place or two. But yeah, he just, he's, he seemed to re- I mean, he, he's off this. I'm a bit worried for him. I think he needs, he needs something. He maybe needs uh, to talk to somebody. Maybe he just needs to take Logan Sargent out and get drunk think, together. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> get drunk, get some, you know, him, like, him, and, like, him and Logan Sargent. Yeah, okay. But I mean, yeah, you haven't seen the post interviews yet, but after no. we get off, check that out. Watch his interview and his body language, his tone of voice. He's he's dejected, and I mean, rightfully so. He had maybe high expectations, but still, it's just he does not seem to have any positivity left in him. Yeah, and it's a I, it's, it's a long season yet to go. <sighs> what like what's going to turn around his season? I, I really don't you know, know. He's he's being paid multiple millions of dollars to drive, you know, a, a car that albeit is not great this year and hasn't been great for many years, but still at the end of the day he's an F1 driver like he should 
look at Alonzo, right? Of course, he's getting results, but there's just that positivity there. Even today, when everybody was hoping for pole and when he didn't get pole, Alonzo still remained positive. He's just like, yeah, well, we didn't get it, but what we what we achieved is good. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just I'm it's, I'm honestly a bit worried for Lando. Saw some uh, I think saying like that um, despite their setbacks. This season isn't completely a uh, a total loss for, for McLaren. For McLaren, that it's actually like not as bad as we say, but at the same time, it's like it is when you think that they needed to move up, they needed yeah. to take the fight to Alpine, and they haven't seemed to be able to to do that. You you even though yes, the time when you when you think about it, the times aren't drastically different. It's not like the Alpine is three seconds faster, but if you're not able to at least be qualifying beside them, then you're not fighting for your P four P five position uh, in the in the in the constructors. So yeah, it kind of is not a great. Is it's not the start you want at least. But speaking, well, you know, if you recall, sorry, very quickly talking about McLaren. This is, is still it's a thing for me because they are such a legendary team, and I just I admire what Zach Brown has achieved in motorsport. I admire what he's done from a marketing side. But you know, one of the things I remember saying in the very early days of this podcast is that I think he's using McLaren F1 to fund McLaren Indy. And I think I that's be true surprised. because they're getting results in Indy. He's there. And I mean, I don't begrudge him for being there. But at the same time, wouldn't it be a great show of support for the F1 team if he'd said, okay, you guys, the Indy car, you're doing well on your own. I'm going to go support everybody in Monaco. I completely, I, you, you, I couldn't say it, couldn't have said it better. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I, I can, I also understand that as from a business perspective, you go to, you go and focus on the one that's making you money and one's giving you the wins. Yeah, not, but it's true. At sure. the same time. But you can't totally, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can't totally neglect. And he's not totally neglecting McLaren F1, but I, I don't think he, he's not. I don't, I think like look at Mercedes. Mercedes took last year's car and made it a winner. Right. And I think you yeah. could argue at the start of the season, the McLaren had the better car than the Mercedes last year. Yeah, I agree with you. And Mercedes put their resources into it, but again, they're not as distracted, I guess. I mean, they're not racing in the multitude of series that, that perhaps um, I don't know. McLaren they're, is. They're, so. Well, I mean, not, I don't know. But Mercedes, I guess they're in sports Mercedes, cars still. Do they yeah. have an E, an FE team? Um, I think they're partnered with one. Okay, not yeah. necessarily it's their team, but they like, give technology And maybe to. arguably they have um, more resources, but I don't know. McLaren just, Ring, they have uh, GP3, G, uh, GT, Super GT, they have... They part. They put money into, um, like WEC and okay. all that. So yeah. they're like you said. They're I think they're a part of a lot, but not necessarily full teams focused mm, on sure. this that the others are that the others are in. Um, but before we move on from yep. Mercedes, uh, McLaren. Sorry, I put my hand up to vote for keeping this livery for the rest <laughs> of the season. Do you think it looks like a cigarette? It's 100% a Marlboro cigarette. <laughs> we were laughing about it. Like, that's okay. We were okay with having cigarette companies back because they gave us really good cars. Yeah, yeah. You know, just sure. give, them, give them back. I, <laughs> give it back. We should have e-cigarette companies. We're, we're, we're going well, to in this. Formula E. Yeah, <laughs> even just tobacco. But. Um, yeah, that car, it, it did bring back for me memories of the tobacco liveries, yeah. which arguably were, were pretty special. Yeah, uh, and then and the big one classic the, Marlboro and every everywhere. Oh, and all the teams, <laughs> yeah. the John Player special for Lotus, that was a that tobacco was a livery. One. But for me, the one that stood out and some of the interesting things when when the when the tobacco regulations, when the the, the restrictions on advertising weren't across basically the world. You know, as F one went to some countries, 
they could still have the tobacco liveries, but then when they went to another country, they couldn't. This would have been probably mid-2000s. And so the Jordan team at that time, still owned by Eddie Jordan, which is now Aston Martin. That mm-hmm. team, I think, is the one that became Aston Martin. The Jordan team was sponsored by Benson and Hedges. And so their car always had on it Benson and Hedges on, on the on the main plate wing, on the sideboards, uh, side pods and everything. And when they'd go to a country where they couldn't have tobacco sponsoring, they would just take out some of the letters and spell other things. And so one of the things I remember they spelt was B on edge. That's hilarious. Which is kind of a great sporting motto, be on yeah. edge. Yeah. And, 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 but of course, everybody still knew it was Benson and Hedges. They yeah. just took off some of the letters that's, that's, to spell other things. See, that's, that's, I, I, <laughs> Eddie I miss Jordan, that. man. Eddie I, Jordan, for anyone who doesn't know the history of, of Formula One and the Jordan team and Eddie Jordan himself, who used to be a commentator on Sky Sports, yep. check him out. He's a character. I love that, though. Yeah. I, I wish we would do that, too, again. Like, obviously, everything's just so correct and everything, but like, Create creativity to like hide types of sponsorships is yeah. is fun for, yeah. fun to me. Yeah. I absolutely be love on that. edge. Be on edge. That's a be on edge. <laughs> you know, that's the. I mean, if, if we eventually ever make a show promo for the for the for the radio, we'll uh, have to put that in there. Be on edge. I have a question for you though. Bring it. Max Verstappen, a one eleven point three six five. Yep. Fernando Alonso, a one eleven point four 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 nine. Yep. Knowing that the softer tire compound degrades faster a bit. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Monaco is the softest compounds, yep. full compounds, you know. Yep. C five is the new is one of the newer, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. C C four is the medium. C three yeah, is the yeah, hard. Yeah. If you are Red Bull and or Aston Martin, what tire compound do you put them on? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I had sort of thought about that in in more general terms, just thinking of who's going to start better. Now, of course, having a better start, of course, repl- uh, requires a lot of things, but the tires obviously being one of them. But if you take the tires out of the equation just for a second, I'm going to argue that Alonso is the better starter. I, not, I would not say to say too. that Max is a bad starter, not to say that the Red Bull is not a good starting car, but I think just overall... Alonzo can Alonzo a car, and he's a good starter. So, and I think he starts on the inside in, in P two. He in the, is, in is Monaco? Monaco one of those tracks? Yeah, is it? I uh, can't remember. Maybe. You might be right. Yeah, because if might it's be on right. the where, inside, where the into, pole is on the dirty side. Yeah, so if it's on, you might be right. So if it is the inside, yeah, then Alonzo's got quite a quite it, a quite a leg on a, on Zanz, on Zandervox it, right into turn one. It's a short uh, stretch down to turn one. Yeah. But it's going to be super interesting. Yeah. I, I I think Alonso could get see get his elbows out, get in the lead. But here's the question, though. Because it's Max Verstappen and the Red Bull yes. and Monaco, yep. you, especially now, you know that his that, that, that uh, Sector 3 where that Red Bull DRS and that Red Bull straight speed, big, the, the acceleration speed is going to become a huge factor. Do you want to get to be in front right away? <laughs> yeah, I, that, see, I don't think sure, you do. Yeah, see, that's a good point as well. See, I think you 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 stay within them. You know that this is kind of a slightly weaker track. I think you just put you just play some head games with Max for a number of laps. Yeah, keep Charles behind. Yeah, that's, Ferrari's gonna. You know that that'd be can, interesting too. You can always bet Ferrari's gonna pull a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. you can. Sadly let, true. Let let Alonso play some mind games. Let yeah. him just really because he. Uh, I heard um, and even Perez was saying like after Miami, when, like on the podium, he went to Max. He's like, it's gonna be different in Monaco. Mm. I I know. 
And it was just like, yeah. it was like in the zone. Like, right, I right. know it's going to be very different in Monaco yeah. for you. And this is, like, of course, keeping in mind that Imola was coming up. Everyone wrote off Imola as the Red Bull win. Sure. Um, because they just knew Red Bull. Yeah. That's, a, that's a Red Bull track. High speed track. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So it's going to be very interesting. I don't think you put Alonzo on. I don't think you put him on um, softs. softs. No, I think, I, yeah. Put him I, on the medium. I think, to be honest with you, if you're Red Bull, I think you put Macklin hards. Maybe even maybe even like a slightly used set of hards. You yeah. know that the hards aren't degrading as much as Pirelli want them yeah. to. You know Max has good tire management. You know the car has good tire management and weight distribution. And so that way you can extend your extend your stint. And so when Alonso has to pit eventually because, you know, it's the mediums. Mediums and softs seem to be degrading sure. really fast. Sure. Or if you just lock up one time, they that tire is kaput. Yeah, yeah. You can extend your stint and maybe pull pull the like the the not the undercut the overcut mm-hmm. on him i think that's a big one-stop strategy but at the same time i wouldn't be surprised if they go medium to medium and expect that they're going to go racing from lap one yeah that's that's a really good question a really insightful uh, approach time will tell as it always does uh, i i would be surprised if if red bull starts max on the hards but one thing I think that might be relevant somewhat to this discussion is that in qualifying, I think Red Bull used the least amount of tires. Or to phrase that the other way, they were putting more laps on their tires in quality before they were changing them out. And so why was that? Were they Do they know that they need new tires in the race? Or like obviously that was for a reason or was it just that they felt confident enough they could qualify without having to go to other tires it's probably a little bit of both see i um, just i just think that whatever thing that we question red bull's doing yeah i think red bull is just well let's just do it what, what are we well, going to lose you know, you know? you're like, right <laughs> because at the end of the day and i think we saw this from max in that in that just stellar third sector it doesn't matter whatever they need they can just turn up the wick Flip a dial, tell Max, yeah, go ahead, hit the wall three times, but you'll be faster. Yeah. Because he hit the wall three times on that lap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but he hit the wall in the way that you need to hit the wall in Monaco, where you're just nudging it out of the way. Yeah. And it is actually faster. Yeah. I don't know. I always kind of say that qualifying this year is very much just uh, someone sets a time for Max, which happened to beat. To beat, yeah. Yeah. Just, and he just, goes out and does it. Yeah, he, yeah. and he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Until something happens, but it, I think Alonso and I, I really like your strategy too. Like maybe Alonso doesn't need to pass Max in the first corner, so maybe he does this. He gets the better start. He gets up right beside Max, but then just doesn't go for the pass and just see what happens. Yeah, I think you play mind games yeah, with him until yeah. until you either force him to take a pit or you yeah. or you uh, get him because I think that you don't want to lose the DRS. Right. I think that if you lose DRS on Red Bull too early. If if you if you get into first on this, Rebels is going to pass you in, in well, second three. You're right, and I guess this is the reason why they don't turn, they don't activate DRS until the second lap or the end of the second lap and start of the third lap. It's, and maybe yeah. that's something they did look at changing as well, like extend that out to five laps. You know, yeah. Obviously, they're not going to change it for tomorrow's race, but into the future, 2026. I have no idea what they're doing with DRS, but next year that's something they could do. Uh, don't enable DRS for like maybe the first five laps of a race and give us a chance to see more sort of classic racing, more drag racing, more strategy, more drivers having more of an, uh, an influence rather than just, you know, DRS mm-hmm. being the deciding yeah. factor. Or even like, uh, here's a radical decision. No DRS if you're not in top 10. Yeah, because I like then, that too. 
no DRS trains. You can fight through it more. Yep. You let the car and the driver talent speak for itself. You get into top, t- you get into the 10. Now you're allowed to push and get that extra speed boost. Well, the other thing uh, to too, pull, and I've to said it ahead. before, how no DRS unless it's to pass a back marker. That would be which, was, which was the original intent of DRS because the faster cars weren't even able, although they were much faster, they weren't, it was hard for them to get past the back markers just because of the aerodynamics. So they brought in DRS to help those cars get past back markers. But then it's also now just, it's making these DRS trains where everybody fighting in that midfield, all six of them have DRS, but yeah. they're not back markers, right? They're on the yeah. lead lap. So if you just let, and it would take some technology, but it's F1, they can do it. If you had some technology to only allow DRS to be enabled when you are passing a lapped car, I think that would make for better racing because you wouldn't have the leaders being held back by back markers. You'd always have them using DRS to pass them, but then not being able to use DRS to pass other people who are racing for position. I had a little bit of a fun thing with Marianne when we were watching um, Free Practice, which was uh, someone came in and was like, oh, are we watching, are you watching like Mon- Monte Carlo? Uh, one of the guys, Mehmet, and... Uh, I was like, yeah, 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 Monte Carlo, Monaco, and um, Mary. I was like, yes, it's a, it's a Monaco, and it switches right to her, 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 her French, French accent yeah, kicked sure. right in. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> the French, you come here, it is. Yeah. And then uh, I was realizing, I was like, no, that's just the proper way to pronounce it, like, sure. because it's, it was a Monte Carlo, and, and Monaco was like a very French kind of thing coming in. So, I'm sorry, Marianne, you were pronouncing it right. You say it correctly. Well, that's my little shout out to her. Yeah, sure. Her. And it's an interesting point. I guess it's going to take us on a bit of a tangent, but but English does that, right? English tends to anglicize a lot of things. Uh, Paris being another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Paris, Paris, and everything. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, that's my way. Of, uh, that's my way of making sure that she's still in here with the studio, even though it's a qualifying day. She's not here shout with us. Shout out, right Marianne. Now. We'll we'll see you Monday. So moving on, you you actually were mentioning during the break that especially about the tire parody and change up that. You would almost want to see refueling back coming I, in because it adds more strategic. Hundred percent. I I would love to see refueling back in Formula One. So again, for any any listeners who have started watching F one, uh, you know, in the last I don't even remember when they took it out, but there used to be a time where you could refuel your car during the race, and because that was allowed, every single team did it because you could start the race with less fuel, thereby be lighter faster and uh, be less hard on your tires, be easier on your tires. So you used to see a lot of strategy because you could put different amounts of fuel in, which will affect your weight, which will affect your times. And so I'd love to see that back because, you know, as you were talking about what tires does Max start on, what tires does Alonzo start on? Well, if we had refueling, then there's another question there. How much fuel do they put in Max's car? How much fuel did they put in Alonzo's car? And that would just add another level, another strategical element, I think, which would bring a lot of excitement to the series again. Yeah, I I, I agree. We we watching some of the the archives where they had refueling was always a a fun one where because people would ask, oh, is this a pit stop where they refuel? Is this a pit stop where you don't? Right. And I think that I don't know. We were kind of I was kind of telling you in the break. I love mind games and sports. Sure. I love things that are going to make the your opposing team kind of go like, wait a second here, right? What are they doing? Like, well, the more you can, inst- the more instability you can create gives you a better leg up, in my opinion. Sure, that that sure. just makes it more fun for me. And when there was refueling, the engineers, the various people on the teams, 
would, and maybe they still do this, but for different reasons, but they would either just listen because they were that good or they would record their competitors' cars on the track and they would analyze the sound of the engine in various corners and they could, with some level of accuracy, determine how much fuel was in that car. Yeah. So, you know, they were trying because that helped them. If they knew that their competitors had this much fuel, then they could, you know, adjust their strategy accordingly. You know, and you know more than just the fuel, sorry. tire manufacturers. Again, if there's anyone listening to us today here on the F world who's a more recent fan of F1, welcome, welcome to F1, welcome to the F world. We love having we love having new fans. We love bringing people in. Exactly, we're here for you. There used to be two different tire manufacturers. You know, most recently Bridgestone and Michelin. So before the the current Pirelli monopoly. We had two tire manufacturers. And so some teams would run the Bridgestone tires. Some teams would run the Michelin tires. And you could refuel. So you had, it, But if you were a Bridgestone team, you had to run Bridgestone tires. Of course, you couldn't just say, eh, we're going to use the, the Michelins for this race. You couldn't do that yet. For the entire year, of course, you had to be on the one tire. And that added another element because the tires behaved differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, will, I, I saw the idea of potentially bringing back multiple tire. Sure. I think Pirelli really tried to, has tried to or has more or less squashed it. Uh, so this is, again, a change-up for 2026. I personally would love it. I think that a lot of teams that ran Bridgestone would really like it. Um, I usually try and get in, uh, Bridgestone on the Kia tires okay. because Pirelli's a little too overpriced for my sure. Mazda 3. So I, I would like the idea because, yeah, you... you it just in in as as an as an econ miner, the idea of a team being able to kind of say mid season, you know what, you're not doing it. I'm switching yeah. for next season, or I'm switching the you're, right. you're done. Right. The the that's another thing that drew me into the sport as I grew up was the the great circus, like what how you run a circus and is and how you make these decisions to be competitive is always really intriguing. And I think a lot of new fans for for you new fans really don't just watch it for the races or for or for just cars going really fast really try and find an aspect right. that that makes you kind of go like huh what goes into this decision because that will open up a huge door sure that that even as a kid that just loved cars going fast and loved the noise and the the rumble that you get and that fire you get in the heart when you hear them you you gain so much appreciation for what goes on to make this the sport happen when you start to learn the craziness of making a hundred million dollar decision that could be only worth a hundredth of a second, but that's a race win or that's a pull, you know? Again, I'm getting goosebumps and you're going to, you're going to bring a tear to my eye that that is such an insightful sentiment. And that is such good advice to anyone who is new to F1. And there are a lot of people new to F1. And, you know, there are some, there are some old F1 fans who say, well, then, the new F1 fans aren't fans because they only watch it because of Netflix Drive to Survive. I'm definitely not one of those people. If anyone likes F1, that's great. Yeah. And and for whatever their rationale is, it's their rationale. But you raise a super good point. If there are any fans of F1, I'd encourage them, as you just did, dig deeper. Keep digging. Because there is so much to the sport. Mm-hmm. Me, I've seen every single race since 2004 every single one, six of them in person, and I'm still learning new things because there's so much there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that. you just got a sound clip for life. That, that, that last 45 seconds of you talking, 
that has to go in your portfolio. Okay, I appreciate that, Walter. <laughs> I mean, you've always been a guy that, that knows good radio. You've had all experience, so I really appreciate that. Thank you. Every now and then, I, I have a good quote. <laughs> it's one every two hours. I have a, well, I have a joke. I always have a joke that one every. I get one really solid joke no. every two hours. <laughs> no, you, you have lots, but that one was that that was that was the Max Verstappen Monaco twenty twenty three sector three. Of radio. That's what I, I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Did, uh, speaking of Drive to Survive, because I am one of those people that kind of, when I'm, when I'm talking to newer F1 fans, be like, yeah, I love this part of the, I just kind of go like, uh, you're a Drive to Survive kid. Like, you're a Drive to Survive one. Sure. Because you can always tell because it's, it's, yeah. the, it's their idea of like, oh, so that really doesn't happen that much? Like, no, no, no. It right. happened like one right. time. Right. Um, but what, but two on, on that, an aspect of Drive to Survive that got me, that the, the, the doorway that not so much, the same doorway, but um, or the original door, door uh, doorway that opened it up for me. But there's a perfect example of Drive to Survive. I think it's season one, even um, when Christian Horner talks about they're switching to uh, they're switching from the Renault to Honda engine, mm-hmm. and just the idea of Honda coming back in and and doing th- and working with them again. And what about? And he has a little kind of monologue about Honda's place in F1, and then and 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 the different kind of. Um, aspects that each engine kind of focuses on and that's what got me in the middle of the episode to look up honda engines and f1 and, and yeah. see like the, the logistics of like how it's happened and their history of yep. it and yep. and that's so, exactly so right there season one of of drive to survive it has a doorway for someone in there to to go to yep. um even just switching over there's always there's always something it's always gonna be something what you might think is just a little a small and an engine provider is not a really good example because that's a huge thing but it starts. It's either something very small or something very big, but there's always something that you. Might, there's something for everyone in the sport. There is, and and I there just, are no throwaways. Everything in F1 is purposeful. Even the placing of a screw yeah. to put the side pod on. Yeah, it's placed tr- strategically. Sure. The the length of that screw, the weight of that screw, the shape, the material. Yeah. everything i think even i think there might even be reg. when, when mary and i were looking up some of the regulations for the technical things so some, for some of her segments yeah i think we even came, found something that said like the screws are regulated <laughs> well these days they probably <laughs> like, are yeah yeah like yeah. everything is so accounted for yeah for in this which is both good and bad <laughs> yeah yeah you can't get away with as much but who right. knows what you can't right. get away with um speaking of getting away with things P11, Oscar Piastri for McLaren, like we said before. Top the rookie. Top rookie right now. Don't don't remind me. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, I'm, don't I'm, remind I'm, me either. You know, we're both losing this. <laughs> um, the problem, is that the, the problem I have is that we're both losing this. Yeah. It's not that we're losing. Yeah, it's that Marianne is winning. Well, someone's <laughs> got to win. Someone's got to do it. Um, um, but Oscar Piastri yep. with the 12.395. Behind him, Nick DeVries and the Alpha Tauri with the 12.42. With a one twelve point four two eight. Second best rookie. Second best rookie. And then behind him, Alex Alvin, which we had talked about before with a one twelve point five two seven. Yeah, I was really hoping for him to get into uh the final qualifying, you know, start in a in a qualifying uh points spot, but uh just too stiff. Yeah. Competition was too stiff. Yeah. Uh, and like like you said, like I don't I don't know what to do with Williams is I know that, you know, you have a long history with Williams. I do. Williams has a long history in the sport in general. They do. What do you like? Yeah, there, there, there was a talk about, um, and even kind of Marianne and I were talking about, like, does Albin move? Mm. Especially if, like, the obvious choice would be probably Alpha Tauri. Mm. Maybe 
sauber as Han as Audi comes in, but mm-hmm. I think Audi's going to want to try and. They're going to want the, somebody a bit more corporate. I feel they're going to want somebody a bit more established. Not to say that uh, uh, Alexander is not established, and they're going to want a German. Well, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Mick Schumacher return with Audi. Mm-hmm. I would actually love to see. I'd, I'd love to see that. I would love to see. I would the even Schumacher love... name in F one. Love yeah. it. I would love to. I'd see... love to see him go back to Haas just because <laughs> <laughs> he made for some good television. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think he'd do well in Williams. I wouldn't. I would. I would hate Mick to Schumacher see... Williams. Yeah, I would hate yeah. to see Sergeant leave because I think Sergeant as a Sergeant has one of my favorite personalities and one of the, I think one of the most genuine. Just like. I want to do good. It yeah. bugs me that I'm not doing good for mm-hmm. my team yeah. personalities that I love to see. Um, but I also could see Schumacher go to AlphaTauri or whatever that becomes to replace. I think he's definitely going to replace well, a rookie. Albon used to be in Red, Red Bull. Bull. And I think he, st- <laughs> he still has a Red Bull logo on his helmet. Yeah. I think he still wants to go. And I think that's the big thing. Well, I who, think, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they're Bull. just the best, right? <laughs> but I think that Alba, like, I think if Albon's switching, I think it's the wrong decision. Mm. I think you're in su- he is in such a different type that, of position. He's in, you have to think about it long con. Yeah. You can't think about right away. Yeah, yeah. Because of Williams' history. Yeah. You think about, like, arguably, where William this is, has been, like, honestly, and I genuinely believe this. This has probably been Williams' most consistently good season since yeah. maybe 2015, 2016-ish. Yeah, they finished third. 17? I can't remember what year, but they finished third in the Constructors. I wish I... I think this that's when Bottas was there this still. Yeah. 13, 14, like, yeah. around in there. Quite a while ago. Even, even rewatching 2016, the Williams is a very really fun... Like, you don't know what they're going to give you. You don't think they're going to give you a, a race win, but they could hold up. They can definitely factor into who is going to win that race because they had the pace in 2016 to hold up race winners and to hold up sure. the the top three guys. Yeah. And I think that like, if, if they can just, I don't know, just a few tweaks, this is the first time you're really having a major team principal and a team principal who has a history with, with, a, with a very good uh, teams, especially Mercedes. And, and, and um, I think, I think Vols had a little bit to do with Ferrari and, and some other teams back in the sure. day. I'd have to double check that. Uh, maybe McLaren. Uh, someone's going to email me and be like, you were Let's wrong. Hope, it's like, oh, yeah. I, I would hope so. Tell us, I want, yeah. I want more. Please. Hey, email. email yeah. the, the, at the at com. You can always email us. You yell at me and I will yell. I won't yell at you back because I'll just say thank you for emailing me um, and, and I'll turn over. But I, I love being corrected. I do. I don't, but like I respect it. <laughs> I do because I don't like being wrong. Yeah. So if someone corrects me, then I won't be wrong again on that point. That's a very good way to look at it. That you may have just changed my mindset. That's my Alonzo uh, approach. The, yeah, you know, that's the positive spin on everything, which Alonzo seems to do these days. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Albon. We said it before. Was at Red Bull, but let's not forget he was at Red Bull when Verstappen was at Red Bull. Al- Alexander Albon was Verstappen's teammate. Yeah, <laughs> crashed crashed a lot with Pierre. Yeah. Same him, him and well, Pierre Gasly crashed a whole Verstappen bunch. Verstappen crashed a lot when he was at Toro Rosso. So. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think they just. I think that's just the nature of the game when you when you first get to F one is you crash. I think Alexander Albon is in the perfect team for him in Williams. I, I think there's nowhere for him to go. I mean, he's not. I, with all due respect, he's not a Red Bull caliber driver. He's got, I think, the right philosophy or mentality or personality at Red Bull. He, he would fit in, but I, he's not that caliber. He's not a Mercedes caliber driver. He's not a Ferrari caliber driver. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe Alpha Tauri, but. 
And Alpha Tauri is performing better than Williams, so you could argue that's a good move for him. But for how long is the big well, exactly, question, right? Exactly right. I think there's less stability at Alpha Tauri long term. Um, so much can change in a year sure. within the year. So much can sure. change next year in 25, and so much is going to change in 26. Sure. I think that you. I think that if you're making this decision, I think. I think. I think Albin's contract ends this year or ends I'm in 24. Sure. I'm not sure of that. Yeah. Um, I'd have to double check, but I think you have to keep that into consideration of the direction that what what undertaking your team is doing. And I think Williams is on such a massive undertaking, arguably its biggest undertaking since Claire Williams left mm-hmm. that and Claire Williams really drove that in like part of the pun, drove mm-hmm. that into the walls a lot. Yeah. So Yeah, you're right. So I think, and and you know, you you're, you're building so much reputation off of Latifi too, um, <laughs> which like who knows? Man, at the same time, we joke, but my gosh, with, if Latifi was in in here, you never know if we would get a red flag. Sure. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. Oh, what a what a twist, you know? Um, I think you I think you just stay with Williams. I think you, yeah, me too. I think you don't think about leaving because that's going to make you not put put all put one hundred percent your all into the team you have now. If you if you're thinking you have a leg out the door. Then, then you're not going to do it. And if I was James Bowles, if I had my, if I was learning that my driver was thinking like I might go to uh, my competitor team again, the mm. team that like pushed me back a whole bunch, I'd probably say like, okay, f world off, go, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like I'll find someone who wants to who no, wants I, to stay with us and rebuild this team. I think his seat is safe at Williams. I think Williams wants him there, and I think he wants to be there. I, I don't yeah. think there's anywhere better for him to go. Of course, there are better teams than Williams, but I don't think Alexander Albon would be able to go to those teams. So Alpha Tauri, Haas, um, Alpha Romeo, maybe, but that's arguably not better than Williams. Yes, they can be better in terms of some performance this year, but long-term, as you said, I think he's where he needs to be. Yeah. I wonder, because I, I always heard the rumor that uh, Honda and Vols were talking a little bit. Mm. And now Honda is with, with Aston Martin, Yep, and that is a huge, that's going to be a crazy very interesting thing to see happen yep. um, in 26. I, I was doing some research on this. I didn't go into heavy, heavy amounts of deep dive, but Honda has never excelled when a new engine regulations come in. Hmm. Interesting. They've always done very bad, yeah. no, or not very bad. They've done mediocre to good, to sure. good, too bad. Yeah. Then they leave. Right. And then they come back. Uh, they take a little couple of years of a hiatus, and then they come back once another team has perfected something. Right. Um, you looked at it, um, you think of even like Senna's. Mm-hmm. That was not a new engine. Mm-hmm. Honda had had learned from other people how to make a very, very good engine and a very, very good race car with McLaren. They worked well together. Uh, I'll jump because that sporadically go back and forth, back and forth with, sure. with different teams. But then you, I think of like more modern modern age in the early 2000s and that. They left. Why? Because they couldn't figure out an engine, a new engine regulation in two years in 2003 three and four, And they lost heavily out to, to uh, Mercedes. Uh, to not Mercedes to um, Ferrari, uh, and you come you come back to you come back into the 2008 you come into the tens they have they do fairly well why they figured out the engine so many other people have figured out the engines into into the new uh, V8s and the into the V10s and everything then you get into the turbo hybrid era into 20 uh, 13 14 when they when they brought it in so 14 15 16 the Honda engine. Fernando Alonso, the GP2 engine, the GP2 engine, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> which he said at Honda's home race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the GP2 engine wasn't good, yeah. So they left. Yeah. And they didn't come back in until when? 
2018-19 when there was a big massive uh, upgrades into the engine. People had learned what, what Mercedes had done with the MGH, MGUH. Yep. Uh, people had perfected that a little bit more. They they had things in. And they, and they again, took a couple years with the team that was saying, we will give you all the resources to, right. give, me a, to give us a championship race win. And it took them until 2021 to get it. With Red Bull. With yeah. Red Bull, yeah. yeah. And 2022, again, everyone kind of talks like there was no engine change-ups in 2022 mm-hmm. and 2022 they left all these things and they're kind of pseudo they bad kind of left they kind of stayed they had a they left ceo change technology sharing with red bull powertrains yeah they worked a lot on it yeah, so, so they weren't really murky. there but they were there yeah. yeah but again not a massive engine change-up mm-hmm. but now in 2026 this is going to be a, a very different engine changer. So, they are very good. With, it's a more hybrid engine. Yeah, so, and double Honda, the electrical power, I've heard. I want to talk about this <laughs> in another episode because I think a lot of what we're seeing in, in the DRS changes and what the drivers aren't liking are in effect because of what they're trying to do with the new engine. Okay. Um, so we'll talk about that in another episode sure. when we can really go down. There's actually a video I'll send you um, about it uh, later on that really talks about like the problems that I think the new engine is going to have, especially with the ha- with the hybrid hybridization and the new powers. But again, Honda's coming back because of the new engine regulations that hybrid does. So oh. maybe they have something up their sleeve that they know they can, they have a very good way to energy energy save into that, which might be a pretty big problem in yeah. the 26 engine. Yeah. But that's what's curious to me. It's a, just a, because Honda's doing well now doesn't necessarily yeah. mean they're going to well, have a G, uh, that's, a, an F1 engine in that's 2026. That's what I want to ask you. So you're saying that 2026 Aston Martin may not be a good car? No. A I'd, race I'd, winning car? A championship winning car? Because that's going to be the first year of those regulations, the first year of that Honda engine. You're saying that could bode not well for them? I don't want to put any sort of like, I say this yeah, is yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that it's going to be very interesting because historically Honda's not done well with new and when they've They're, come in on new re- engine regulations. They make decisions that after they make them are an awful lot to me, like Fernando's decisions. They make the wrong decisions at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. Fernando made a, Fernando right? made a great decision. At well, the right this time. year, yeah, fine. <laughs> right. But that's what Very everyone's recently. saying. This is the first time in his like 20 year career that he's got it right. Yeah. You know, he's always Fair he's on. always been 180 degrees out of phase making what he thinks is the right decision, which turns out to be the wrong decision until now. Granted. So I'm saying everyone that's Aston Martin, Aston Martin, everyone that's jumping on mm-hmm. the Aston Martin train, like, just be careful. You, yeah. They may be good for a few years, yeah. but you never know. Things you everyone has has these expectations of. Things are going to be so good, and then they don't really good. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm still That's expecting out of all. Of, however, though, I think that Aston Martin Honda is probably going to be doing better than Red Bull Ford because I mm-hmm. don't trust mm-hmm. Ford. Every single time <laughs> Ford has been in F1, what has happened? Yeah, they have quite literally flamed out. Yeah, pretty spectacularly. Yeah. I mean, so much so that their that their that their um, customer car company Jaguar yeah. bought out their team mm-hmm. <laughs> into F1. Yep. That got bought out by an energy drink. Sure, <laughs> you know, became Red Bull. But yeah. became Red Bull. <laughs> a couple, a couple of interesting historical points. One about Ford and one about Honda. If any of our listeners who are new to F one again, as always, welcome. And Taryn's point is a phenomenally insightful one, and I think the best example of it, at least for Honda, is the two thousand and eight car, which was Honda. They were a works team. They were the constructor, the car constructor, and the engine. It was Honda. Grand Prix Racing or whatever their official name was. The 2008 car was known as the Earth Dreams car. That was their branding theme on it. 
worst car ever. And I think I've said this on the pod before. Jensen Button literally had a lighter, a cigarette lighter, like a Bic lighter, taped into the car at the last race in Brazil as a ceremonial gesture to wanting to light that car on fire. And then that car next year was bought out. Honda, the entire team, was bought out by, we mentioned him earlier, Ross Braun. And it became Braun GP. So if any of our listeners want a really interesting insight into some pretty... I think it won the championship in... Oh, yeah. It had the double diffuser in in 2009. 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the constructor, and Jensen Button was the world champion in 2009. Look at the history. There's got to be some F1, you know, summary in 15 minutes of that 2009 season. The worst car on the grid that Jensen Button wanted to light on fire the next year won Jensen Button the championship. Once and that Honda was Honda's was no car. Yeah, which Honda but wasn't when, the when they were out. Go. Yeah, and the other thing about Ford, I'll, I'll mention quickly. You're you're right. Um, you're right in almost everything you've said about Ford, except Ayrton Senna's last. I think it's his last win. Ayrton Senna is the king of Monaco with five wins in Monaco, and I think it was the fifth win was for McLaren Ford. Ford used to be a, a, an engine supplier to McLaren, that's a good point. and he won Monaco with that. But that's that's, a good point. that's the exception. Yeah, and if and I, how much I, of I the know, exception is Ford engine versus Ayrton Senna, Senna being yeah. arguably so the greatest. I know driver ever. unequivocally that Ayrton Senna won Monaco in a McLaren Ford. I'm just not a hundred percent sure if it was his fifth and final uh, Monaco win or not. But nevertheless, Ford has had some exce- some success in F1, especially with the Cosworth engine. Mm. which used to power some mm. of the old Williams and some of the McLarens maybe as well, which is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Cosworth was sort of a branch of Ford or maybe it went the other way that Ford ended up buying Cosworth. But they they have had some successes, but mm-hmm. not as much as Honda. So that's that's kind of my thing. I, I think everyone, yeah, good point. Everyone, everyone is jumping on this Honda trend. Yeah. Just because they're doing well right now, that doesn't it doesn't mean they're going to do well, especially with the fact that, again, we'll jump into this would it be a good deep dive, but turbo leg <laughs> might be coming back sure. in 2026. Well, but so, they'll have enough, I think, electrical power to overcome that leg. Well, no, the the, the, the whole thing is that because the MGUH is going away. Right. So that creates the turbo leg. But they'll have double the electrical power. But not double the, the battery juice. No, they will. I, no. Uh, no? Nope. I, nope. I thought still, they are moving so, to like 350 kilowatts. No, that's how much it can output uh-huh. and how much the thing will, will give out. Yeah. But the actual amount of juice that you have to play with that 350 kilowatts okay. is not changed. So that 350 kilowatts Isn't is going to be draining that, that battery faster. Mm-hmm. That's No, that's the power output, essentially. Okay. But like the actual number of, I think it's like, I, I forget the actual number, but the actual, let's say like, like imagine this 473 milliliter Red Bull. Yep. This is not a sponsorship, but if Red Bull wants to sponsor the podcast, I will totally love Max this <laughs> happen really quickly. Um, give me the money. But let's say that this 473 is like the total yeah. amounts. So 2026, yeah. the battery total amount yes. is going to remain 473. Yes. But the amount that the car can output okay. is going to be more. I so see. you're going to drain that battery faster. Okay, okay. Mm. Well, then, and that's the big recharge, thing. That, but that, it's supposed to recharge faster. Yeah, sure. So you can use that electrical output to fill in the gaps. But yeah, as yeah. all things... Time will tell. Time will tell. So, <laughs> but speaking of Honda and Aston Martin, yes, Lance Stroll comes in in P14 with a 112.623. Again, we kind of touched on him a, a bit earlier, so I don't think we need to go full into into old Lancey there. But um, yeah, how there, much? How much of that is? Did he? Did he crash? Like what happened there? That's what I think. I think he's again, kind of the Gasly 
of Monaco qualifying. I just kind of lost track of him, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's gone. He's not in Q3. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's just, again, one of those... uh, Lance Stroll, out-qualified by Alexander Albon. There Shout you go. out Alexander Albon. You got this, Alex. You got this, <laughs> Alex. I, I do love Alexander Albon's new uh, logo that he's kind of started to do. That A sort the, of thing? The, the double A. Yeah, his helmet looked great. I know oh. we talked about helmets oh. previously, we, and oh. I was kind of slagging his helmets because he had the golf ball and whatever yeah, ever, else. Ever, ever. Well, but you, this you, one? You were slagging on ball helmets yeah, in general. Yeah, because they're not, to me, F1. Yeah. But his helmet for Monaco, and I think it's... People bring their best to Monaco, all right? Everyone oh, brings yeah. their A game. Yeah. Right? Except for Lewis. Lewis just has the same helmet. I'm kind of but even it's nice. It's a nice one, but I was hoping But Elbon's look pretty bad. A few times. Bum. And, yeah. And now this one looks really nice. It looks yeah. nice and clean and fresh. I yeah. love his double A logo that he's yeah. starting to do. I think you just keep that, Alex. You yep. keep that, Alex. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think that with Lance, though, that's just kind of what we've been saying a lot today and in, in general saying, saying always comes up. Everything's just so close that you can't really set a time unless you're in the you're a big three to pull ahead of everyone. That yeah. that even even if you're in a big three, you you saw it now that some, you set a time, someone's going to beat you. Someone's sure. going to beat you. Someone's going to beat you. Someone's going to hit that line a little bit different that gives that that hundredth of a second faster that takes you out. And I think that's very much what happened with Lance with with Lance. It's especially happened with Bottas because Bottas oh, qualified P fifteen. My heart, he's breaking my heart. I don't know what he's doing here. He's breaking my heart. P fifteen, Bottas and his Alpha yeah, and his that Alpha Romeo. Oh. So P fifteen Bottas with yep. a one twelve point six two five. So two thousandths of a second hmm. slower than Lance Stroll. Yeah, that's quite literally just you may have missed your line by. Yeah. Half a millimeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, I don't – and then, and then yeah, um, Logan Sargent right behind him with a 113.113. So – argu- fastest driver of the bottom five drivers. Fastest driver of the bottom <laughs> five drivers. So he's got something for him, you know? But, again, the, his Q1 qualifying, Valtteri Bottas that took him out, was a was a 113.038. Yeah. So he's, not really that much slower. Just, no. again – like that's six, experience six one six six one hundredths yeah roughly that's yeah. that's just experience of yeah, someone who be. knows monaco sure. versus someone who probably doesn't doesn't as much and in, in an f1 car. but i would expect more from from bottas and his teammate joe joe kwang yu joe kwang yu was a pole sitter for down in a, 19 was originally yeah i think that time he is joe kwang yu originally had provisional pole with that time hmm with a one thirteen point five two three and yeah, 19th. probably just an early um, lap, but but exactly, th- right? there are things happening at, at Alfa Romeo. I think that are just not good. Like well, so the, much the atmosphere seems to be good. They're all enjoying themselves, but at the end of the day, you have to have the results. Some better results on track. I mean, well, it ugh. must it must be tough knowing that your team is going to drastically change mm. next year, yeah. even more so than this year. Yeah. It's not really an Alfa Romeo team. They're there just by name, sure. not really by putting, not by putting yes. in for race wins. R- right. It's a branding so, exercise. Yeah. yeah. At some point, do you think they're just like, you know what, guys, go out, mm. have fun. We're not, we don't raise have our any, brand value. Yeah. By the fun we, nature. Yeah. Maybe yeah, there, there used to be teams that did that. Yeah. In F1. You don't have this necessarily the same yeah, stability long term. Yeah. Like, I think arguably sh- in, in terms of long-term, short-term stability, um, Alfa Romeo has the shortest economic yeah. stability with Audi coming in. Mm. 
um and audi like i think this year starts putting money into it yeah you know they're going to change up heavily you know they've already talked about what they want to change up to they're already building they're looking to be an engine supplier or or to at least get into be an engine supplier very quickly after 2026 yeah so what can you do there other than just well have a lot of fun if you're bontas you can launch a gin a coffee and a pizza and those are all three things that he's launched this year or within the last 18 months. So, yeah. you know, he, he's saying that he's committed to F1. He's saying he's committed to the team. But I'm starting to have my doubts. I mean, I'm starting to wonder if he's relying, good on him, relying on his own brand as Valtteri Bottas, VB, number 77, race winner for Mercedes. Um, Championship. Constructor championship. Yep. Uh, contributor. Winner, contributor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if he's banking on that to establish these other businesses to, to get his nest egg and then he's going to pull the plug soon. I don't think I, that's I bad s- though. No, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. But I just, it'd be a, it'd be a shame if it's right, if it's true because he yeah. still does have a lot of years left. He is a good driver when he's got the right car and I would, I would hate to see him not on the grid, mm-hmm. but I sort of have a feeling he won't be next year yeah. despite it's, what he says. It's always really nice to have a Finn on the grid too. I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah, I think that's just true. Was, you're right. Yeah, I really. Well, I, we have I, we have, uh, have um, K Mag at, at Haas. He's Finn. He's, he's Danish. Oh, is he? I yeah, thought he was Finnish. Sorry, no, my bad. He's Danish. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My no, bad. no, no, no. He would be such a bit of personality as Finnish, probably. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's always nice to have a Finn. Yeah, you're, you're right there. Um, sure. I, I think there's I think there's a rookie uh, F two uh, Finn. That's okay. A, a lot of people are really enjoying. I'd have to double check. Put him in that alpha. Exactly right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think that at some point, like, you know, Lewis has his clothing brand now. He's got his own stuff. So I think that at some point you diversify your assets. Well, everybody does, into. right? Danny Rick has a wine. And, yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And, like, like $20 million a year for driving a car is not enough. They need to start a company <laughs> and make, what, more? Come on. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Go ahead for 20 it. mil just doesn't go as far as yeah. it used to. The Rock, the Rock's tequila apparently just broke a record for the big, yeah right good biggest, point like over a million bottles sold yeah and no one's right clooney's this. tequila company's a billion dollar company yeah george clooney um and apparently george clooney's um tequila company has never sold over uh, over two hundred thousand, and it's mm. a billion dollar company so the rock selling like a million yeah. bottles means yeah. that it's probably gonna be like a two billion companies Crazy. the point is, is that like there's a lot of money in just having name value there's a lot of money in booze too. Usually, yeah, everyone <laughs> loves. Well, everyone loves the booze that's owned by someone you think is really cool. Yeah, these days, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I think, but I don't think that's a bad thing to if you know you're kind of at a point where your team's not very stable the same way. Mm. You you're kind of like okay, I'm not in, I'm not in a race winning car. Right. This team is yeah, going to. I don't begrudge him, but I just wish it wasn't so. I wish he was at a stronger team. I and I guess. It's probably just me. I had kind of high hopes for him and that team this year. Me too. And they're just—they're not. <laughs> I mean, they're not—they're not doing it. And, and, that's and I'm just—I'm disappointed. And I think we all did because in Bahrain, in preseason testing, and even in Bahrain, yeah, they, they looked were good, right? Looking good, Saudi but Arabia. I, they must have Joe? been running light just yeah, to get the the media attention. Yeah, and then really, the they probably were. Off. Yeah. And then like Joe, I. I don't know what's going on with Joe. I really, because I think Joe has a really interesting natural talent for this sport. And Agreed. He's, he's a very interesting guy. Sure. He, I still really want Joe to win, to have a race win with a, with George Russell and P2. Mm. I really want to see those two <laughs> on, on the podium together. They, they, like, well, it's not like, going to happen this year. It's not going to happen for a very long time. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen until Max retires. Um, 
So, but from yeah. the sport or from a race? <laughs> from either. <laughs> either, yeah, yeah, <laughs> either yeah. one. Good point. Um, and that's, uh, but yeah, I think just alpha, if you're, I think it's, a, I think it's at the end of the day, you're yeah. in an instant, you're in an instable team, team future environment. You don't know what it's going to be like next year. I think this year, it's hard to really set roots in place. They might be the cautionary tale for Alpha Tauri. Like we talked about all the instability at Alpha Tauri, which I think was affecting that team at the earlier part of the start of the season. Uh, but now, as we alluded to earlier in the show today, they have some level of stability. But I think at at at, at uh, Alpha, it is perhaps that instability that you've mentioned that really I hadn't thought about at the start of the season. But now that you mention it, sure, of course. And I think that's affecting them. And see, we're seeing that as a consequence. Yeah, definitely. And then, like you said, underneath uh, in P16, uh, the best of the worst, uh, Logan Sargent. <laughs> the best uh, of the worst. <laughs> I mean that's not, not bad. That's not bad. You're not wrong. <laughs> that's not the best of the rest, yeah. and the best of the worst. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're Logan Sargent, and as with a one, another another really funny uh, one, a one thirteen point one one three. Oh so yeah, one one three, one one three. That's there like last year's one one two, one one two. Yeah, exactly. Nice. You know, um, I don't. We've talked about Logan Sargent so much. We don't. I don't think it's the same go circus going around. The guy needs to go get drunk. Yeah, get a girl. I don't yeah. know something. Just maybe maybe yeah, take. Maybe take some mushrooms and just forget about yeah. forget about life for a few days, <laughs> and then come back. You know, you have a you have a week or two or two off Spain. You can stay safe, everybody. Stay safe. This is yes. If you are going to practice, practice safely. Always have a buddy. Narcotics Anonymous. There's a PSA for you. And then underneath Logan Sargent, we have K Mags with the one thirteen point two seven zero, and then we have Nico Hulkenberg, double double for double half Ferraris, yeah. the one thirteens. I love this. I feel <laughs> I feel bad for Nico because I think Nico is a good qualifier. I think generally he could push it. I think a lot of his confidence got out after after he clipped the walls a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, sure. One. But any time Haas is in the worst category and <laughs> the worst of it, I'm happy. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I I I I think that if he, if Haas were to have gone gone the way, I don't want Gunter to leave the sport. I want okay, Gunter to okay, go somewhere fair else. Enough. I was going to bring that uh, up. Yeah. I'm like, that would be a tragic loss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it'd be only a tragic Gunter, loss. Gunter, I mean, yeah. not, not necessarily a loss. Yeah, it'd only, be a tra- it'd only be a loss because you get some like entertainment and you get a guy who's kind of like unapolog- unapologetically kind of a jerk to people. <laughs> yeah. But that's the name of the game. That mm. You have to have that sure. mentality into the sure. sport. Um, it'd be so- I still need to buy his book because I really need to read that. I really want to read that on on the show just just a chapter on just look like, extra so there's just just a gunter chapter is that copyright is that copacetic i don't know we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll find out really quickly um but it's always nice to see has at the bottom it's always nice <laughs> it's always nice to have just someone you can make fun of and then unfortunately we have joe gone you at the 113.523 at technically the real bottom because sergio yeah Perez that's not indicative out. of course that yeah. car yeah yeah um, and that, which, that's a huge tragedy because, you know, he's uh, Sergio Perez. Everyone labels him the king of the street tracks. And that's where a lot of his success has come. Five he out did, of six, five out of his six race right, wins are right. on street. He circuits. did win Monaco last year mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. from third. I mean, and of course, yeah, Ferrari be Ferrari. I but mean, whatever. That's still he won it from yeah. third. Yeah. So there was a lot of expectation for him. You know, he has been kind of challenging Max this year. It's the closest, uh, the, the, the closest or the least spread between them at this point in the season after five races or whatever it's been. But I wonder, I wonder if this is it. I wonder, like, honestly, it's maybe too early to say this, but I wonder if, if Monaco, if that crash 
is the start of the end of his challenge to be the driver champion this mm. year. Very like, interesting. I kind of feel it is, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he'll he'll be committed, but, you know, he's, I think we can say, he's not as good as Max. But no. Max had a little bit of car problems maybe here and there this year already. You know, he was complaining of shifts. He had a, a couple of off moments, and Perez won a few. And I think that fueled him to want to win more. Of course, he wants to win all the time, but he actually could taste it, right? Mm-hmm. But here, I think now Max is going to get 26 points, right? <laughs> the win in the fastest lap. And Perez is going to get zero points. And the gap is going to be big. And then Max going into Spain is going to get 26 points. And Perez, even if he gets 24, what do you get for second? I forget. No, 18? 18. 18. 18, 18. <laughs> um, I think it's he's not going to be within single digits ever again this yeah, season. I... That's kind of my feeling. I don't want to be right. I hope I'm wrong. It is early days. There's still, what, 18 races left? 17 races Something left? Like yeah. yeah. But I, I, I kind of ho- hope you it. are wrong, too, because we'll have, some, we'll have some, like, fun mm. for the uh, <laughs> for the championship. Well, maybe but... Alonso. If Alonso gets second in this race, maybe he's our um, hope. I I couldn't find anything about upgrades for the Aston Martin into Mm -hmm. Monaco. Um, I think think that was another thing that they were going to bring upgrades into Imola. Imola didn't happen. They're like, there's no point in doing it in Monaco. We'll do it in Spain. Right, right. Right? And I I heard that even Mercedes has a, a new rear section. Coming up in, for Spain. in Canada. Oh, for Canada. Because um, cool. just development time and everything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but Red but sorry, I was going to say Red Bull, but it's Green Bull. But um, <laughs> Aston Martin, which by the way, I, we we always hear the jokes of Green Bull. They really, I really don't like them that much because they did don't do like s- the jokes or don't like the team. No, no, no. Uh, like team's fine. Okay. I, I love I love a team full of villains. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just nice. I got I got them today. <laughs> They're coming out it's well. Must be the Red Bull. Mental <laughs> yeah. note: Let's always drink Red, Red Bull. Bull. Yeah, there we go. I'm not. It's not hitting me as much as as much as I. That's thought what it you think. Me. Wait yeah. till you listen back to this. <laughs> You're talking like, a mile a minute, man. Then I have to like go back. Um, <laughs> but no, I I definitely think that uh, Aston did like a really good job at hybridizing everything people learned from 2022. Mm. Sure. And using some of the best, taking the best mechanics, yes, from the the teams and everything, but that's the sport. Yeah. Oh, sure. But, Every know, team like, has done it. Yeah. But, everybody poaches everybody. Yeah, but every but I don't know all the Red Bull, the helmet Marco, who I think just needs to shut up for a while. <laughs> um, all they're like, well, we like seeing four Red Bulls on on the track, four maybe six Red Bulls on the track. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean. You're number one. They're going to take. You're going to steal. You steal from the best. Quote by you. Well, not like I use that quote, but it's it's just a phrase. It's been around. Fair enough. Yeah. But they they did do like I think that's selling what Aston Martin did this season short. Sure. Because oh, they've done remarkable things with their F1 team, with their road cars, with that brand. Just done so much. Everything like yeah, like Lawrence Stroll. I I I I can say I think he's a genius and he took over aston martin that was a roll of the dice racing point at the time yeah that was a roll of the dice but the whole brand right the yeah. whole brand yeah that's a big investment a roll of the dice but he's turned around every aspect of that brand well, and I, I think there are going to be case studies of that in business schools i think for for years to come because what he did is quite remarkable yeah there probably already is case studies yeah. already right um i forget where i was going with that uh, yeah, sorry. Um, see, it's the Red Bull, man. Yeah, it, now, it now I'm cuts spacing. both ways. Yeah, now, now I'm starting to space out a little bit. Off. We were talking about that. Green Bull. 
Yeah. Nice to be six Red Bulls on the on the track. Yeah, and then, Marco should shut up. Yeah, which should always be a thing. Um, even his comment, like Lewis doesn't like being the highest paid athlete. Yeah, yeah. What the, the hell kind of comment was, is that? There was some interesting. There's some interesting things going on with with Lewis, and I liked, you know, there, at the one of the press conferences, someone asked Charles, oh, hey, Lewis. about that. <laughs> yeah, but also I think Max had a good response. Maybe it wasn't at the press conference, but I think you know Max calls him like he sees him and he's like all this talk about lewis and ferrari it's just gonna get him more money from mercedes yeah (laughs) i'm paraphrasing but that's that's what max basically said well my favorite thing was even lewis kind of saying i don't know why people are talking about this like i all that we have to do is find the time for us to sit down and put the pen to the paper right which means that he's not because i think he's not happy i think he is looking for more money yeah i think and i think that's why we're hearing these rumors i I think max is right Oh, I think so I think, too. I think Lewis and his team are playing the media, and that's not a bad thing to yeah. try to get more money. I mean, and Lewis, and even Fernando has always said, like every single time we talk to Lewis, like I don't know, I, he even had a great quote, like I don't know, he always talks about winning and losing with the team. Mm. He stays with it. He's he's a, he's always been a guy that stays with his team until the very end. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also think that you know, jumping, uh, yeah, obviously pulling money out, getting more money into it. And Lewis has even said, I want a long-term contract this time. I don't want a, a one or two years. I want of a course, long-term. you wouldn't want a one-year. Yeah, and I think that's... Which Bottas what, was, I think, on a one-year every single year at Mercedes, was he not? I don't I don't remember. I, I think, think he, he was. was in the last... Certainly the in the last, latter years. Yeah, the yeah. last half. Yeah, but I think yeah. when he got into Mercedes in 2017, okay. he had like okay. a number of years yeah. onto it. But I think that's the thing. I think Lewis just knows wherever he goes, mm. he needs to have a multi-year because you're just not going to get out of this slump. And I think he knows that. And, and that's what he's trying to get get to. Is he 36 or 38? 38. He's in good shape, obviously. Look, you know, Alonzo's 41 or 42? 42, yeah. So, but, but that's the thing, though. So you can do you, it. I would in, argue Lewis is in better shape than Fernando, although Fernando's probably in the best shape of his life. Well, that's if, the thing. And that's uh, just even more to that point. Like, it's a different time mm. of to come into a sport at that age. Yeah. And there's so much that's that uh, sports medicine that has come up that you can stay in this yeah. for, for a lot longer. Sure. And, um, and yeah, I, I could see it. You can still see, like, you, you want to talk about drivers that can make a pig race, a pig fly. Lewis is making a pig fly. Yeah, he, he Just, can he can Alonzo a car from time to time, although yeah, it's a I bit think tricky. not as much as Alonzo. No, <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I don't think it's as much. I also don't think Lewis has ever had a time. I think this is arguably one of the first like eras of his career where he's really had a car that's not the best. Mm-hmm. So he's never been yeah, he's never had sure. to Alonzo a car really uh, in the a same little way. bit in McLaren in the latter years, but yeah. But that was like maybe what one year before you went yeah, to Mercedes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and Nikki came in and was like, yeah. "I want to make you better," and sure. jumped in a lot younger, a lot more impressionable. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's I, I, you know, I'm not a huge Lewis fan, nor am I a hater, really. I but I, I want him to win an eighth championship. I do. Yeah. I want it for him. I want it for the sport. I, I love. I'm a big. I'm a Schumacher fan. I think he was certainly the greatest of his era. Although I think you can't say that. In, well, you can still say he was the greatest of his era, I think. You can still say that. But I think you have to admit Lewis is the greatest of his era. Oh, 100%. 103 wins, seven championships. Yeah. And just know, like racing against Schumacher. Yeah. Uh, um, and so. And, and some of these old, some of these like classic legends and everything yeah, too. Yeah. Racing against end. Alonso at the same team. I mean. Yeah. Learning, almost he's, winning the champion in his championship in his rookie season. Uh, he's yeah. the best of his era. So I want him to be the best of all time because I think mm-hmm. 
the best driver of the most current era should be the best of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think if if Lewis doesn't get that eighth championship, I don't think I don't think you could call him the best of all time. No, I think he's, you could I call him the best of his era. Yeah, if he gets stuck at seven, but if he if he gets that eighth, then I think it's undeniable he's the best of his era and the best of all time. And I want to see that. I I. More or less agree. I, I, I still. <laughs> How could I, you not I, agree? I'm, 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 I'm pumping up your boy. Yeah. No, I mean just because, like, to me, he's always going to be the best of all time because, okay. because I grew up in that, and okay, because. Um, you think of how you think of all his ways, race wins, polls, and yeah. everything. Like yeah. he's on the top of the list of everything. How yeah. can you be at the top of the list of everything, including total championships? Not quite yet, it's tied, but yeah. tied for total yeah, yeah, championships yeah, yeah. in a league that's hard to get that mm-hmm. in. Sure. How could you not be considered the best of all time? But you need to I, have that championship I, to cement it. Yes, at seven, it's debatable. I can understand I where agree. you can say you can debate. Yes, he is the greatest of all time at seven because of the other things, but at eight. It's undebatable. See, my, undeniable. What I would love is I would love Lewis to get the championship, his eighth championship before 2026. I don't think it ever yeah, will. Me too. I don't think it will. Yeah, because before 2026, <laughs> he's going to be in a car well, that is not the best car in the grid. Yeah. And he gets a championship. And, he's and that be would cement Alonzo's age. Yeah. And that would cement. Oh, but that's a long time, time to chase that eighth championship. Yeah. I don't know if he's got it in him. I mean that's that's the big question. You know, you talk about a guy that knows how to diversify his assets and who's who's bigger I, who's bigger off the sport as much. As I just wish he would have won it in twenty twenty one. The victory <laughs> that should have been. I really because, do because you think, I really do because that would have been perfect because it would have ended an era of car. You've ended his yeah. the run. He can. He do you think he would have retired? Do you think he would have pulled the Rosberg? I think he would have retired after yeah. an eighth championship yeah. and, and everything he's done. I think yeah. he'd be ready to kind of be like, you at know the what? end of 2021, he would have pulled the Rosberg. Yeah. Maybe I, I think, I think that's, I think that would be the smartest thing you could have done at that point. Um, so yeah, but it's all hypothetical, all hypothetical, but it's an interesting conversation. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the one that I always like to come back to because he's, he's my boy. Uh, he's 103 wins. I mean, wins, man. Sh- Shumi had, was it 91? Something like that. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So, anyways, listeners, that was the qualifying, qualifying for qualifying, the Monaco Grand Prix. Monaco, the the one of the greatest days of the, of F one sports. I think it, it really is. You can't take to me. There's two things that must be in F one for F one to be F one. There's two things: Ferrari and Monaco. <laughs> That's, I agree. I think I if, if either one of those things, or heaven forbid, both. Were to ever not be in F1, you don't have a sport. It's not F1. It's not F1. No, you know, and I'm not a Ferrari lover nor a hater, but for me, I'm an F1 lover, unequivocally an F1 lover. Mm. And to me, F1 is just not F1 without Ferrari. Speaking of, I was saying before we started, this is the yeah. first time I've seen you in a T-shirt yep. for probably a very long time. But it is, and you've got an F1 an F1 T-shirt, t-shirt yes, of, of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's a, it's a McLaren T-shirt. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of. A good card I have a couple of them. Days. They they did a whole series of T-shirts one year, and unfortunately, I only have two. I have this one in, in Canada, so I'll obviously wear the Canada one when we talk um, about the Canada. Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah, I'm excited for that. But unfortunately, Walter, despite how much fun we have talking about Monaco or in Marianne's accent, Monaco, <laughs> uh, Monaco. Um, sorry, Marianne, I don't mean to butcher it for you, but 
I did. Uh, it's that, it's time. that time. It's that time. All right. Does Very... anyone have to cry a little bit because there's Red Bulls really kind of hi- I... hyping up my Can my I emotions? take 30 seconds and just say a little bit about Spain next week? 100% All right. Can. Spain next week. What to look for. In 2022, we had Max Verstappen winning the race, but we mm-hmm. had Leclerc on pole, and we had Perez setting the fastest lap. So there was a lot of parody last year. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to see this year, of course, but those are some things to watch for. We did have... Leclerc starting from pole, Max winning the race, and Perez setting the fastest lap. So I think we're in for another good one in Spain next week. But of course, I think we're in for a good one at Monaco this week. Although Monaco mm-hmm. can be processional, I think we're going to see some interesting battles in those first few laps. I think we're going to see a lot of mind games this Yeah, this let's race. hope so. So I, I hope so too. Um, and that Spain, I would love to see uh, either Alonso or, or Sainz win it. Just yeah. because I love it when drivers can win their home race. Sure. I really want that. Uh, but, yeah, Monaco's going to be great. Uh, I, I, would re- I would actually highly recommend rewatching this qualifying for you listeners. Um, oh, definitely. Because it was just – it was a wild one. It was pretty special. It was, it was so much – it was a lot more jumping up and down than I even thought there was going to be. But, alas, on to the, on to the Grand Prix. Well, four, four different teams in the top four. Four different teams. That's, that's what we like to see. You <laughs> Absolutely. Know? So, with that, without further ado, this has been the F World. For all you new listeners, welcome. We've enjoyed your company. Hope you learned something today. And again, I encourage you to find that one little thing that makes you, that opens up the sport for you. It's going to be the best thing that you can ever find. Um, from all of us here, we've enjoyed your company. All you, all you to listen to us talk to you in the ether. You can always find us and communicate and interact with us on our Instagram, which is at thefworld.pod. Uh, shout out, but we have a new follower for uh, F1 Aerodynamics. I've always liked his stuff. So shout out to you for, for giving us a follow. Really appreciate that. Really educational content you make. Thank you so much. Um, you can follow also on uh, Twitter. I live tweet during the races. I may be live tweeting at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> 6 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and that's just at the F world underscore pod. Also via Gmail, the F world dot pod at gmail.com. Please. Reach out to us, email us, tell us where we're wrong. I'm going to try and do what Walter says, accept being wrong so I never be wrong again right. in, that, in that set. That's a really great way be, to say being it. Being wrong is the best way to be right. Yes. And as always, <laughs> you can find us on the Discord by search going on to Discord, the app, or the website, and just typing in the F World Podcast and signing up the and hitting the join button, or it's on, it's on our link tree and all of our socials. So from all of us here, we've enjoyed your company to our homie in Belgium. Thank you, as always. He's still there? Awesome. He's, he's still there. He's, awesome. on, he's on episode 13. Awesome. So, homie in Belgium, thank you so much for being the MVP of the podcast. Yours in racing.